Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Thursday, March 10th, 2022. Coming up this hour. Ukraine and Russia hold the highest level talks since the start of the war. Global stocks falling after yesterday's rally. Wall Street braces for another historic reading on inflation. And Amazon shares rally on a 20-for-1 stock split. The first licenses to sell recreational pot in New York will go to people with marijuana-related convictions. Plus, South Korea has elected a new president. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stashauer in sports. Third straight win for the Knicks. St. John's advances and the baseball lockout continues. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak on Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 99.1 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow, and U.S. Stock Index futures are lower this morning. We're coming up to 6.01 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. Right now, S&P futures are down 33 points, Dow futures down 270, NASDAQ futures down 146. The DAX in Germany is down 2.25%. Ten-year Treasury up 7.30 seconds, yield 1.92%. Yield on the two-year, 1.66%. Nathan. Karen, we begin with the latest in the war in Ukraine. Foreign ministers from Russia and Ukraine met in Turkey today but failed to make progress in talks to stop the war. Moscow says it will continue attacks until its demands are met, including the surrender of Ukraine. We get more from Bloomberg's Ed Baxter. President Zelensky's deputy chief of staff, Ehert Zukova, says that ultimately it will be solved with a Zelensky-Putin face-to-face. So we asked the world community to assist us in having this direct negotiations to sit down with Putin at the negotiation table. Meanwhile, Pentagon spokesman John Kirby says the U.S. doesn't think Poland's idea to supply MiGs to Ukraine will work. The intelligence community has assessed that the transfer of MiG-29s to Ukraine may be mistaken as escalatory. And Kirby says that would hurt Ukraine even further. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ed, thank you. Meantime, Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky is accusing Russia of war crimes as after an airstrike hit a maternity hospital in the besieged city of Mariupol. An aerial bomb on a maternity hospital is the conclusive evidence that what is happening is a genocide of Ukrainians. Europeans, you won't be able to say that you didn't see what happened to Ukrainians in Mariupol. You saw, you know. Consequently, you must strengthen sanctions against Russia so that it never has the chance to continue this genocide. President Zelensky said the attack killed three people, including a child. That's according to Mariupol's city council. And President Zelensky is still asking NATO to set up a no-fly zone, Karen, but the Pentagon warns that would escalate the situation. Illinois Democrat Raja Krishnamurthy sits on the House Intelligence Committee. We can't let Putin decide what we're going to do to help our friends defend their freedom. And so when President Zelensky asked us in a Zoom call about a week ago uh, to either enforce a no-fly zone or give him the means to do so, 
I think we should do whatever we can. Congressman Roger Krishnamurthy spoke with our Washington correspondent Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Sound On. Catch the program weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on Bloomberg Radio. Well, Nathan, the House has passed a more than $13 billion aid package for Ukraine as part of a measure to fund the U.S. government for the coming year. Amy Morris has the details from our Bloomberg 99.1 newsroom in Washington. The emergency Ukraine-related spending includes $6.5 billion for the Pentagon. That's $3 billion to bolster U.S. troops in Europe and $3.5 billion to replace weapons given to Ukraine. Coronavirus funding was taken out of the measure, and domestic agencies will get their biggest increases in years under the bill. Now it's up to the Senate to sign off on the legislation before the current stopgap measure expires Friday night. Just in case, the House also sent the Senate a four-day spending bill just to buy a little extra time. That one expires March 15th. In Washington, I'm Amy Morris, Bloomberg Daybreak. Okay, Amy, thank you. The House also approved legislation barring U.S. imports of Russian oil. Let's get the details on that live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Nathan. The U.S. ban on Russian oil imports would go into effect 45 days after it signed into law. The House legislation also takes steps to review Russia's access to the World Trade Organization, and it reauthorizes and strengthens the Magnitsky Act, which calls for sanctions on offenders of human rights. But the legislation does have a provision letting the president allow some products to be imported from Russia if they're in the national interest, but they'll be subject to review by Congress. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. Renita, thank you. Inflation also in focus this morning with the release of February's Consumer Price Index. We get a preview from Bloomberg's Michael McKee. A few weeks ago, many economists were eyeing February as the peak in U.S. consumer inflation. Now it's looking more like a fresh baseline. The Consumer Price Index is forecast to rise the most since 1982, but economists are now saying it could peak somewhere in the 8 to 9% range this month or next. The invasion of Ukraine and severe restrictions on the Russian economy will likely send the prices of staples like oil and food soaring. Without knowing how long the war will last, it's hard to know how high and for how long. Michael McKee, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Mike, thanks. There's also a major market event overseas. We get a policy decision from the European Central Bank this morning. Here with the details is Bloomberg's Hannah George. Faced with the twin challenges of inflation and war on its border, the ECB may postpone its timetable, setting out an end to trillions of euros of asset purchases. That would mark another abrupt shift in the central bank's stance. Just last month, President Christine Lagarde turned more hawkish in the face of inflation that's almost three times the 2% target. The danger now is that the invasion and sanctions against Russia will curb Europe's rebound from the pandemic. In London, I'm Hannah George, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Hannah, thank you. And corporate news this morning, shares of Amazon are surging. They're up more than 6.5% in early trading after announcing plans for a 20-to-1 stock split. We get more from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. It's subject to a vote by shareholders, which is scheduled for May 25th. The e-commerce giant's board also approved a $10 billion share buyback program. The repurchase authorization replaces a current $5 billion plan approved in 2016. The company previously split its stock three times in 1998 and 1999. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak. Okay, Charlie, thank you. Right now, S&P futures are down 38 points. Dow futures down 317, and NASDAQ futures are lower by 168 points. The 10-year Treasury is up 530 seconds. The yield, 1.93%. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines and a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. 
It's now 6.07 on Wall Street. Foggy, 33 degrees in Central Park. we got a couple issues now in the New Jersey Turnpike between exits 12 and 13. Details coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Michael? Thank you very much, Nathan. The first licenses to sell recreational pot in New York will go to people who have a record. State officials said that people with marijuana-related convictions will get dibs on the first 100 to 200 retail cannabis licenses awarded by New York. The state says it's part of a broader effort to address the inequities of a justice system that locked up a disproportionate number of people of color for drug crimes. Governor Kathy Hochul is set to announce the plan regulations for social equity applicants today. Meanwhile, Governor Hochul showed her support for those suffering in Ukraine from the Russian invasion. An interfaith ceremony was held at a Ukrainian Orthodox cathedral in New York City. Hochul was there and said she was immersing herself in the community. When I look out in this room, yes, I hear the words of prayer on your lips. And those are powerful words, heartfelt words. But I also see tremendous pain in your eyes. Governor Hochul praised the defiance of the Ukrainian people in the face of Russia's invasion. South Korea's conservative president-elect Yoon Suk-yeol says he would solidify an alliance with the U.S., build up a powerful military, and sternly cope with North Korean provocations. Hours after he won the country's hard-fought election to become its next leader, Yoon spoke with President Joe Biden on the phone. The White House is reacting to a bill that would make it illegal in Florida to discuss sexual identity and orientation in some classrooms. It heads to the governor's desk for signing. The state Senate passed the measure despite days of protests and student walkouts. The bill's supporters claim it gives parents more of a say in their children's education. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki. I think the most important question now is why are Florida leaders deciding they need to discriminate against kids who are members of the LGBTQI community? What prompts them to do that? Is it meanness? Is it wanting to make kids have more difficult times in school in their communities? President Biden has condemned the state measure, but back in 1994, as a U.S. senator, Biden reportedly supported similar legislation in Congress. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thanks, Michael. Almost 610 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Good morning, John Stashar. Thanks, Nathan. What's going on with the Knicks? Since a seven-game losing streak, 16 losses in a span of 19 games. The Knicks have suddenly won three in a row. They had gone almost two months without winning two straight. And over their last six quarters, Knicks have outscored the opposition by 61 points. It was easy in Dallas. Ball knocked loose. Trying to get it back. Dives. Deflects to Fournier. Corner three. It's good. Evan Fournier dials in the Knicks 55, Dallas 27. The call. Final was 107-77. Knicks fifth straight win in Dallas. The Dallas native Julius Randle scored 26. Mavs shot only 31%. They were 6 for 44 on three-pointers. They missed their first 19. At the Garden, St. John's beat DePaul 92-73 to to advance to play Villanova tonight. The Big East Tournament. Seton Hall got by Georgetown 57-53. The Hoyas never won a Big East game all season. Butler upset Xavier in overtime. At the ACC Tournament, Syracuse blew out Florida State by 39, but top scorer Buddy Bayheim threw a punch, and the coach's son suspended for today's game with Duke. 
Heartbreak for Iona, a one-point loss to Ryder at the Mac Tourney in Atlantic City. The Bronx won it on a shot with seven seconds left. So they're 14 and 18. They advance. Iona at 25 and 6 will settle for the NIT. In the baseball labor dispute, there's now said to be a new conflict. Whether to institute a draft for international players. It's not one thing, it's another. Still no deal. Lockout continues. The first four series of the season have now been canceled. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? All right, John, thank you. Right now, S&P futures are lower by 40 points. Dow futures down 324. NASDAQ futures down 177 points. The 10-year Treasury is up 730 seconds. The yield 1.93%. NYMEX crude up 4.2% at $113.25 a barrel. Latest on the war in Ukraine and diplomatic talks stalled with Bloomberg's Rosalind Matheson next. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg Daybreak is brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off in the Audi model you've always wanted. Visit your tri-state area Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today or visit AudiOffers.com for more information. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures and European shares are falling amid concern. U.S. inflation accelerated for a sixth consecutive month. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures down 36 points. Dow futures down 289. NASDAQ futures down 155. The DAX in Germany is down two and a third percent. Ten-year Treasury up five thirty seconds. Yield 1.93 percent. And the yield on the two-year 1.67 percent. NYMEX crude oil is up 4.2 percent at four dollars fifty-three at $113.23 a barrel. Comex Gold up 9 tenths percent or $18.70 at $2,006.90 an ounce. The euro, 1.1047 against the dollar. British pound, 1.3162. The yen's at 115.97. And Bitcoin's down 6.8% at $39,050. We're getting a look at inflation this morning at 8.30 Wall Street time with the Consumer Price Index. We also get the weekly report on initial jobless claims and a headline on GE crossing the Bloomberg. It's re affirming its earnings outlook for the year. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. Talks between the foreign ministers of Russia and Ukraine wrapped up on the sidelines of a diplomatic summit in Turkey with no progress. Russia conveyed it will continue attacks on Ukraine until demands are met. Meanwhile, the World Health Organization said it has confirmed 18 attacks on medical facilities since the Russian invasion began two weeks ago. Major League Baseball has cut another week of the upcoming season with a lockout in its 98th day. The decision means the season won't begin until April 14th at the earliest. In the NBA, the Knicks and Celtics won. The Wizards lost. In the NHL, the Capitals lost in overtime to the Oilers 4-3. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. Okay, Michael, thanks. It's 619 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak, and Bloomberg's executive editor for international government, Rosalind Matheson, is with us as we continue trying to sort out some of the latest information when it comes to these talks that just ended in Turkey between the foreign ministers of Russia and Ukraine. Roz, good morning. It sounds as though not much progress has been made in those talks. Can you give us some details, sort of flesh things out for us? Well, that's right. So this was the highest level conversation in person that's happened between Ukraine and Russia 
since the war broke out. Uh, and this was an, an attempt, particularly on the Ukraine side, at least to get some kind of formal agreement on temporary ceasefires to allow people to leave certain areas of Ukraine that are under heavy attack. But even that didn't seem to come on the table. The Russian foreign minister said he was actually not there to discuss any kind of ceasefire at all. It's slightly unclear what he was, in fact, there to talk about, given there seemed to be no tangible takeaways from it, aside from both sides saying, yeah, they both uh, realise that they can keep having a conversation going. If anything, it was an opportunity for Russia to repress its demands on Ukraine, saying it, it wants all its demands met in order for Ukraine to surrender and for Russia to pull its troops back out. So possibly it was a meeting where they spent an, an hour and a half talking at each other rather than listening to each other. Certainly there's no sense of when a follow-up meeting may happen. Uh, and, and right now we're back to square one. Wow. Do we have any further clarity on what Russia's demands are? It sounded as though there might have been a little bit of wiggle room in the last couple of days about regime change, at least, in Ukraine. What are the demands from Russia right now? So they have moved about a bit, but they seem to really involve the full demilitarization of Ukraine, uh, the recognition by Ukraine that separatist areas inside Ukraine are, in fact, independent. And that also would include Crimea from 2014, uh, agreeing to what they would quote neutrality, uh, which seems to be that Ukraine cannot make any further overtures towards Europe, be it NATO or the European Union, and uh, possibly the removal of the government. As you say, some officials have said that they don't intend to replace the regime, but that contrasts certainly with what, with what the Russian president was saying in the early days after the invasion. He made it very clear he wanted that government gone. It sounds as though the diplomats are pretty far apart as well on what's happening on the ground in Ukraine. We've seen the images come out of the besieged port city of Mariupol of Hospitals coming under attack, reports of children and other civilians being killed in what sound like indiscriminate attacks from Russia. At the same time, the foreign minister, Sergei Lavrov, is dismissing those reports, calling it fake news. What does that say about where these things are going? Well, that's right. In fact, the Russian foreign minister used the meeting today to say that Russia had not actually attacked Ukraine at all. Uh, so again, sort of trying to reiterate um, their point of view. And they were saying uh, both today and yesterday that that shelling of a hospital in Mariupol, which is the besieged city in the eastern part of Ukraine, that that hospital had been empty at the time and was occupied not by, by women and children and babies, but by Ukraine forces. And that's why it was shelled. Uh, of course, Ukraine says that there were women and children in the hospital at the time and several were killed or injured. So you're just seeing these accusations traded across the board. And that just makes it even harder to find a way to see how they can sit down at the table and have a proper conversation, a sober conversation that takes that emotion in some way out of it and allows them to find a way forward, given the accusations that they seem to be slinging at each other still. Our last minute here, Roz. In the meantime, the U.S., European allies are looking for ways to continue supporting Ukraine. But it sounds like this idea from Poland of sending in its fighter jets and replacing them with U.S. jets is a no-go. So where do things go from here in terms of the allied response to supporting Ukraine? Well, that's right. And in fact, Poland was very anxious about the idea of sending any of its fighter jets into Ukraine. It was under a lot of pressure publicly from Ukraine to do so. So its solution was to offer to send them somewhere else to have NATO decide 
as a whole what to do with them because it was concerned that if its fighters went in, Russia would see that as a direct act of aggression. So you see NATO really kind of wringing itself in knots a bit about how they can support Ukraine but not get drawn in fully into a conflict directly. So that means no-fly zone. It means they won't send fighter jets in. They'll continue to send member states military equipment in, and they'll support from afar. But a real sense of unease about the possibility that somehow this conflict could could widen and they could get caught up in it too. Thanks, as always, Roz. Good having you on. Rosalind Matheson, our executive editor for international government for Bloomberg News, tracking all the latest developments fast moving out of the war in Ukraine. Looking ahead to the market open, S&P futures are down 32 points. Dow futures down 276. NASDAQ futures are lower by 141 points. And the 10-year Treasury is up 530 seconds. The yield 1.93% ahead of the release of the February Consumer Price Index. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg Daybreak brought to you by the Jewish Communal Fund. JCF's donor-advised fund is the smart choice to manage your philanthropy, especially in times of crisis. Make your giving impactful. Visit jcfny.org. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130 to Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991 to Boston. Bloomberg 1061 to San Francisco. Bloomberg 960 to the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe, the Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow, and we're just about three hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Time for the five things you need to know to start your day, brought to you by Interactive Brokers. Interactive Brokers charges margin loan rates from 0.75% to 1.58%, rates subject to change. Learn more at ibkr.com slash compare. Up first, the latest on the war in Ukraine. Air raid sirens in Ukraine's capital, Kyiv, this morning as Russia's invasion enters its third week. Ukraine's President Vladimir Zelensky says he's willing to consider compromises but won't cede territory. You must strengthen sanctions against Russia so that it never has the chance to continue this genocide. You need to pressure Russia so that it sits at the negotiating table and ends this barbarous war. Zelensky says he has not spoken to Vladimir Putin. Foreign ministers from Russia and Ukraine spoke in Turkey today with no breakthrough. Moscow says it will continue its attack until demands are met. It's seeking surrender from Ukraine. Well, back in Washington, Karen, Congress is ramping up pressure on Moscow. The House passed a bill to ban oil imports from Russia. Bloomberg's Renita Young joins us live. Renita. Nathan, the U.S. ban on Russian oil imports would go into effect 45 days after it's signed into law. The House legislation also takes steps to review Russia's access to the World Trade Organization, and it reauthorizes and strengthens the Magnitsky Act, which calls for sanctions on offenders of human rights. But the legislation does have a provision letting the president allow some products to be imported from Russia if they're in the national interest, but they'll be subject to review by Congress. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Renita, thank you. Turning to Wall Street today, it's all about inflation. The Consumer Price Index is expected to increase at a 7.9% annual rate, and Bloomberg's Vinny Dow Judai says more. 
red-hot inflation is probably going to get worse as the war in Ukraine sends global food and energy prices higher. Ukraine is a major wheat exporter. Russia, oil and gas. For now, economists are saying U.S. inflation could peak somewhere around 8% or 9%, perhaps in a month or two. Vinny Del Judice, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Vinny, thank you. In overseas markets, the focus is on monetary policy. The European Central Bank decides on whether to raise interest rates and ease asset purchases. That strategy could be delayed as it navigates inflation and economic shocks from the war. And back here in the U.S., Nathan, for the first time in two decades, Amazon is splitting its stock. The company plans to boost its outstanding shares by a 20 to 1 ratio. It's also authorizing a $10 billion stock buyback. Amazon shares are up 5.5% in early trading. That's the five things you need to know to start your day, brought to you by Interactive Brokers. Thanks, Karen. 633 now on Wall Street. 33 foggy degrees in Central Park. All sorts of problems on the New Jersey Turnpike. We'll get the details for you in traffic shortly. First, Michael Barr. What else is going on in New York and around the world? Thank you very much, Nathan. First, pot sale permits in New York State will go to people with convictions. The state's going to award up to 200 only to people who have been convicted of marijuana-related crimes. Governor Kathy Hochul says it's an effort to address the inequities of a system which has locked up people of color for such offenses at disproportionate rates. An interfaith ceremony in support of Ukraine was held at a Ukrainian Orthodox cathedral in New York City. Governor Hochul attended the event and praised the defiance of the Ukrainian people in the face of Russia's invasion. Ukrainians stand up, women grabbing weapons and going to the front line, some taking their children to safety, but others staying. I'll stand with the men and we'll fight back. Governor Hochul said she was immersing herself in the community. South Korea has elected a new president. Conservative Yoon suk yeol defeated his rival in one of the country's most closely fought presidential elections. Yoon spoke with President Joe Biden shortly after his win. He takes office in May. Former astronaut Scott Kelly is upset with the head of Russia's space agency for threatening on social media to leave one of the American astronauts on the International Space Station behind when a Russian Soyuz spacecraft departs the station later this month. Kelly says he found the comments outrageous. The people at the Russian Space Agency, I've known many of them for well over two decades. I trust them. I've literally trusted them with my life before. Kelly also says the events of the past few weeks have taught us to prepare for the worst and hope for the best. A federal lawsuit filed in Colorado claims a group of Donald Trump supporters called the U.S. Election Integrity Plan has been sending its agents to people's homes in an effort to intimidate voters. They are said to have sent agents, in some cases armed, to voters' homes asking questions and taking pictures. Courtney Hostetler is one of the attorneys on the suit. What it means is voters now have to be worried about, you know, whether or not voting is going to bring somebody dangerous to their door. Attorney Hostetler says the suit cites the Voting Rights Act and the Ku Klux Klan Act in its effort to stop the group. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thanks, Michael. 
coming up to 636 on Wall Street. And John Stashower's got the Bloomberg Sports Update. All right, Nathan, Knicks enjoying life on the road. They had that heartbreaking loss in Phoenix when the Suns banked in a three-pointer at the buzzer. But they beat the Clippers in L.A. They came from 20 down at Sacramento, and they cruised to an easy win in Dallas, 107-77. So after going nearly two months without two wins in a row, the Knicks have now won three straight. Julius Randle coming off a career-high 46 points, this time had 26 in his hometown, R.J. Barrett. Added 18. Closing the games out. We just, that's, that's all we're doing different, you know, because the, the past couple games before that, we always, you know, are winning, have a lead, and then we would lose it. So really the difference is now we're just finishing the games off. Randall called it the Knicks' best defensive effort of the season. They held the Mavs to 31% shooting. Dallas was 6 of 44 on three-pointers. Started 0 for 19. Knicks are in Memphis tomorrow. Nets and Sixers tonight in Philadelphia. So the Nets face James Harden, Ben Simmons, Still not playing yet for his new team. He had refused to play for Philly. He will be there tonight sitting on the Nets bench. Big East Tournament, the Garden. St. John's beat the Paul 92-73. Seton Hall got by Georgetown 57-53. Big upset at the Mac Tourney in Atlantic City. Ryder topped Iona 71-70. The Gales had beaten the Bronx twice in the regular season, once by 26. But Ryder advances, and Iona will settle for the NIT. Colgate going to the NCAA the second year in a row. The baseball lockout continues. Two more series canceled. Now wiped out as a Mets road trip in Philly and Washington and a Yankee homestand with Toronto and Boston. The earliest the season could begin is now April 14th. John Stashell, Okay, John, thank you. It's 637 on Wall Street. Let's get more now on this morning's market action. Bloomberg Television anchor and markets reporter Danny Berger is with us this morning. So much for the relief rally, Danny. I know, really running out of steam. I mean, there there were a lot of questions yesterday, it should be said, whether, you know, there was any staying power to the rally. But we should be, say that this is a market that is trading based off of headlines, and that's what it really needs. It needs more positive headlines coming out of Ukraine, coming out of Russia, anything to alleviate some of the supply pressures, anything that brings the price of oil down. And we just haven't had that today. So absent any positive news, this is what the market has been doing, just drifting downwards. Yeah, it does seem as though the uh, war headlines, all the developments there have pushed off what we thought would have been the catalysts a couple of weeks ago, of course, mm. central banks and inflation. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's it's a strange world where these types of things take a back seat. Now, the ECB decision, it will be really fascinating today because the ECB is in a very difficult position. Um they're facing a crisis on their hands, an economic crisis, of course, alongside the humanitarian one. Um, but what tools do they have to ensure the economy stays stable? Inflation is shooting higher, um, and they've already are at they're already at an extremely accommodative stance, considering um, you know we're only just starting to get out of the damage COVID did to the economy. So, you know, what are they going to do? It's very unclear, but it, it will set the pace for other central banks as they deal with this crisis. Yeah, and of course, obviously, we're going to be looking ahead to the Fed on Wednesday and we get the uh, CPI data just a couple of hours from now. Could that be mm. a catalyst when we're expecting or yet another historically high print for prices? I, I think that the expectation for high inflation in the U.S. is 
baked into the cake. Of course, there are people who see even more inflation. Um, there have been double-digit estimates thrown out there. Um, and so, yeah, we'll have these numbers today, but I have to say I, I, I think that most people are already anticipating that they will be extremely high, and much like the ECB is in a difficult position, certainly the Fed will be as well. Do they need to slam on the brakes? But will doing so hamper U.S. economic growth uh, with all these supply constraints as well? Lots to keep on top of this morning for uh, Bloomberg television anchor and markets reporter Danny Berger. We get that uh, ECB decision just a few minutes from now, actually. And then, of course, the uh, consumer price index back here in the U.S. for the month of February. That's coming out at 830 Wall Street time. Lots to keep on top of ahead of the market open this morning. Looking ahead to that open. Futures are moving lower. S&P futures down 38 points. Dow futures down 314. And NASDAQ futures leading the declines right now down 168 points. The 10-year Treasury now up 630 seconds. The yield 1.93%. And NYMEX crude right now surging once again up 4.2%, $4.55 at $113.26 a barrel. Much more to come, including the House ban on Russian oil. Bloomberg government's Jack Fitzpatrick joins us next. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather. We're looking for uh, sunshine and highs in the upper 40s today. Mix of sun and clouds, upper 40s tomorrow. Rainy, windy, maybe some wet snow on Saturday with temperatures falling through the afternoon. Right now, fog and 33 degrees. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow, and futures are lower this morning. Let's go to the first word breaking news desk for today's morning call. Here's Bill Maloney. Bill, good morning. And good morning, Karen. That's right. U.S. futures are sinking right now as Ukraine talks made no progress. Dow futures currently down 304 points. SVs dropped 37. NASDAQ futures lower by 168. The U.S. 10-yield at 1.94%. Gold and oil are both rising. But Bitcoin is plunging by 6.8%. European markets are also under pressure, led by 3% declines in Italy. And back in the U.S. on the economic front at 830, U.S. February CPI and initial jobless claims. After the balance night, CrowdStrike beat estimates. And Amazon announced a 20-for-1 split and a $10 billion buyback. In other news, workers at three more Starbucks stores voted to unionize. And wrapping things up, CrowdStrike was raised by a BTIG. KB Home was raised to overweight over at J.P. Morgan. Live from the First of Breaking News Desk, I'm Bill Maloney. Care. All right, Bill, thank you. And here live breaking news over your Bloomberg type squawk on your terminal, S-Q-U-A-W-K. That's a Bloomberg business flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. Ukraine and Russia made little progress in halting the war at the first high-level talks between their foreign ministers since the Russian invasion began. Russia indicated it will continue attacks until its goals are met. Russia and Ukraine's foreign ministers met in Turkey today. Meanwhile, the city council of Mariupol says a Russian airstrike on a hospital killed three people, including a child. Major League Baseball has cut another week of the upcoming season with a lockout in its 98th day. The decision means the season won't begin until April 14th at the earliest. In the NBA, the Knicks and Celtics won. The Wizards lost. In the NHL, the Capitals lost in overtime to the Oilers. 4-3. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries, I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. The following commentary is from Bloomberg Opinion. Audiences, 
I'm Jonathan Bernstein, a columnist for Bloomberg Opinion. Joe Biden's public statement announcing a U.S. cutoff of Russian oil was an excellent example of how multiple audiences complicate and constrain presidents. Start with Vladimir Putin. Biden's goal continues to be impressing on him how seriously the U.S. and its allies take Putin's aggression and how severe the consequences will be without doing anything that risks enlarging the war. Biden's next audience is the Ukrainians. He wants them to keep fighting and feel strong support, even if he can't give them the unqualified assistance they want. And then there are NATO allies, friendly nations, other world leaders, as well as private companies and other non-government actors, all of whom pay attention to what presidents say. Only after all of that can Biden worry about audiences at home, including voters. For them, Biden's interest remains playing down the Russia-Ukraine situation. His primary message for voters remains reassuring them that the United States is not at war and will not go to war, whatever else he's saying for others. I'm Jonathan Bernstein. For more opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com opinion or OPI and go on the Bloomberg terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. And Bloomberg Opinion commentaries can be heard every weekday at this time, and Terminal customers can read more at OPIN Go. It is 6.50 on Wall Street. Let's turn to news and science and technology now with a Bloomberg NJIT STEM report brought to you by the New Jersey Institute of Technology. NJIT makes infrastructure-ready graduates from civil engineers to transportation specialists. If it's infrastructure, NJIT grads are building it. More at NJIT.edu. Now here's what's making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. President Biden has signed an executive order on government oversight of cryptocurrency that urges the Federal Reserve to explore whether the central bank should jump in and create its own digital currency. The government says surveys show that roughly 16% of adult Americans or 40 million people have invested in cryptocurrencies. U.S. Climate Envoy John Kerry says he thinks rich countries can finally meet their pledge to provide $100 billion annually to help poor nations cope with climate change beginning this year and will definitely reach that amount in 2023. That would be at least two years later than the 2020 target set by developed countries at a U.N. climate summit in Copenhagen in 2009. And for the first time in more than two decades, Amazon is planning to split its stock. The e-commerce giant announced a 20-for-1 split and a $10 billion share buyback. Tech giants such as Alphabet and Apple have used stock splits to make their shares more attractive to retail investors. And that's the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. Nathan. Okay, Karen, thank you. We are live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, where it's almost 6.52 on Wall Street. Time now to check what's going on in D.C. Very busy times in the nation's capital. The House has voted to ban Russian oil imports amid a bipartisan uproar over the war in Ukraine. Lawmakers have passed a $1.5 trillion spending measure with Ukraine aid as well. And the U.S. is considering looser economic restrictions on Venezuela. Let's bring in Bloomberg government congressional reporter Jack Fitzpatrick, who's been very busy covering all these developments. Jack, good morning. Let's start with the Russian oil ban. Seems like that's at least one thing that lawmakers can find a bipartisan agreement around. Yeah, that had a lot of bipartisan support. It did get watered down a little bit. This uh, essentially follows the track that President Biden has already chosen to take. His he, he was pushed by Congress to take this path to cut off any imports of Russian oil, gas, and coal. Uh, it doesn't add much else besides that. There appeared to be bipartisan support uh, for a measure to uh, end Russia's normal trade status, effectively allowing more 
more uh, tariffs on Russia. That ended up getting pulled out at the request of the White House. Uh, so it's not entirely clear where this goes in the Senate because there is support for this kind of bill, but it doesn't really push uh, anything much further. Uh, so we haven't heard when it would get a, a Senate vote exactly. Uh, it is bipartisan, but it, it really has been mirrored by President Biden's own actions uh, in his own right. Have we got any more clarity from the White House on why they didn't want that normal trade status provision included? Not specifically. They played that pretty quietly. Our colleagues have reported that that was taken out at the request of the White House, but they, uh, you know, have, have not really laid out their reasoning exactly. I think the broader context is they have tried to keep some options on the table. They haven't argued outright against the idea of more sanctions on Russia, uh, but when Congress has sought to push them to do more, the White House uh, has often sort of gone back and said, let's leave ourselves some options, possibly adding some in the future, depending on uh, exactly how this plays out over the next month or more. And it certainly looks as though Congress hasn't closed the door on further aid to Ukraine. Well, let's talk about this big spending bill that finally got passed out of the House. It includes a lot more Ukraine aid than even the White House have been asking for. Uh, yeah, the, the conversation initially was for, I think, $6.4 billion was the first request for Ukraine aid. It went up to $10 billion. Then the House just passed $13.6 billion uh, in this supplemental Ukraine bill, along with the broader government funding bill. Uh, about half of that, almost half, about $6.5 billion, goes to DOD, uh, largely to refill their coffers for uh, things they've already done to help Ukraine. Uh, but there are a, there's a few billion dollars for humanitarian needs uh, and members we've talked to including Chris Murphy in the Senate ha- have already said you know this could be more of a down payment we could actually see more bills in the future uh, either on the defense side and or the uh, humanitarian side for Ukraine and finally Jack what more are we hearing about this potential thaw in relations between the US and Venezuela we know there was that surprise meeting over the weekend with uh, Biden administration officials in Venezuela what's what's come out of that? Yeah, so our, our colleague Jordan Fabian has, has reported, citing a, an administration official, that that conversation did occur and that really the focus was that if the U.S. is going to uh, relax economic pressure and if there's going to be especially imports of Venezuelan oil to the U.S., they're waiting to see how conversations between Nicolas Maduro and his political opposition go. So this is, essentially seems to be a message from the, the White House uh, that they want to see uh, some democratic reforms or movement toward uh, democracy uh, before really opening up a, a real economic relationship between the U.S. and Venezuela. It certainly would be a big shift in foreign policy. Okay, Jack, thanks as always. That's Bloomberg Government Congressional Reporter Jack Fitzpatrick. Read much more about all these stories at Bloomberg.com or on the Bloomberg Terminal. Listen to Bloomberg Radio in Washington, Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Karen. All right, Nathan, thank you. It is 6.56 on Wall Street, and this is Bloomberg Daybreak. March is Women's History Month, and every day this month we are celebrating significant moments in women's history. Now with your installment for March 10th, here's Bloomberg's Renita Young. 
On this day in women's history in 2015, Los Angeles celebrates Susan Ann Cuddy Day. She's the first Asian-American woman to join the U.S. Navy and its first female gunnery officer. Cuddy rose to the rank of lieutenant. She later worked for U.S. Naval Intelligence, the Library of Congress, and the National Security Agency. Cuddy is also the daughter of the first married Korean couple to immigrate to the U.S. She served during World War II. During the first celebration of Susan Ann Cuddy Day, she was 100 years old. She said when the war came, she was motivated to fight for freedom, and it didn't matter whether she was Asian or not. During her service, Cuddy had to endure segregation and racism and had to marry her Irish-American husband on a naval base because interracial marriages were against the law at the time in Virginia. That's Today in Women's History. I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Radio. All right, Renita, thank you. And again, General Electric reiterating its 2022 financial targets that include generating as much as $6.5 billion in free cash flow, even as Russia's invasion of Ukraine has plunged global markets into uncertainty. And we'll get much more on General Electric this afternoon when we speak to Chief Executive Larry Culp. You can hear that interview today on Bloomberg Television and Radio at 1230 Wall Street Time. Bloomberg Surveillance is straight ahead. For Nathan Hager, I'm Karen Moscow, and this is Bloomberg. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.